First Look is brought to you by Queer Wedding Ally Training, a framework to inclusify your wedding business in seven days so that you can stay relevant in an evolving industry without feeling awkward or tokenistic. Head to www.queerweddingallies.com for more info. Marriage equality has fundamentally changed the way that we view, celebrate, and affirm the union of marriage. My name is Hank Paul, and I'm a wedding photographer based in Sydney, Australia. And throughout this series, I'm taking a look at some of the history of marriage equality through the lens of my fellow LGBTQ wedding professionals, the highs and lows of working in an evolving industry, and I will attempt to answer the question, what does the future of the wedding industry look like? You're listening to First Look, how marriage equality is transforming the wedding industry. There is no question that marriage equality has disrupted societal norms around wedding traditions. More and more, couples are choosing to eschew traditional gender roles and craft their weddings, and more broadly their relationships, to better reflect their identities, whatever that may be. This shift has been met with both excitement and resistance from different corners of society. I was born in a small beach town, and I was raised in a very religious family. Meet Jove Meyer. I have five brothers, one older, four younger, and I always knew from a very young age that it didn't really, it didn't really fit in that world or in that religion or necessarily in my family for that matter. Um, I spent much of my younger years trying to make everyone else happy while suppressing my own happiness and self-discovery. Throughout his years growing up, Jove was taught by those around him that his needs and his well-being were not important which didn't bode well for a young, closeted Jove. When he was older, he decided to pursue something for himself. Ultimately, you know, through luck and the universe and timing, I ended up um, being an extra on a movie set, and it was the movie Milk. Milk is a movie that tells the story of real-life queer activist Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk was one of the first queer politicians in San Francisco who led a movement to give voice to the voiceless by standing up for the queer community in the 1970s. This was at a time when it was illegal to be gay. It wasn't just taboo, it was criminal, punishable by imprisonment. So um, he was one of the first out gay politicians in San Francisco, and he was murdered. And so it's sort of the story of his rise to power, along with the queer movement's rise to, you know, defending and fighting for our rights. Being on this film set was a pivotal moment in time for Jove, as he saw other LGBTQ plus people thriving in their art. So to be part of this movie as an extra, a very small part, uh, really was life-changing because I met hundreds of queer people who shared their love stories, their life stories, their journeys, their highs, their lows, their happiness. And I realized they're just like everyone else. It's like all these negative things I heard in my brain were lies and were not true. And it really empowered me to step away from the faith and to really find myself. And so I sold my car, I quit my job, I packed my bags and I moved to New York City and I started sort of a brand new life here. In the years since, Jove went on to start his own wedding and events planning company and has been named one of the top wedding planners in the world by Harper's Bazaar and Martha Stewart. On top of being a standout wedding planner and savvy entrepreneur, 
Jove has managed to build a brand that is unapologetically queer. He is an advocate for equality, teaching wedding professionals worldwide about inclusive practices, and raising money to support the human rights campaign. We'll come back to Jove later in the episode, but let's just take a look for now at another person whose brand is unapologetically queer. You've heard from them in the previous two episodes, so they don't need much of an introduction, but here's Tia Nash speaking about how they repositioned their wedding photography brand to align with their queerness. When I first started, um, I was very much, I think like most business owners, I was just like, okay, how can I, how can I like make it in this world? And so I was just kind of doing what I saw other people doing who were successful. Um, and so I think if you like did a deep dive, you'd probably find some like Instagram posts that I like did hashtag like boss babe or like some like really cringy stuff (laughs) from like 2017. (laughs) I never thought that I would be able to be successful in the wedding industry because of like how I looked and how I didn't look like the other wedding photographers. Like all the other wedding photographers were like very thin and had long blonde hair and wore all neutral colors. It had this aesthetic that I just was like, I will never have that aesthetic. And so I definitely tried a little bit to like conform to that as much as I could, but it didn't feel great. And it also didn't feel genuine. And so when I would meet clients, I felt like me as a person who I presented wasn't the same person that I presented online. And that's when I was like, uh, I need to bring my full self to my brand. And at that point, I had enough of a reputation that I could be more out. I could be more of myself. I could like share what I wanted to share without like the risk of not making it in my business. But I think it is worth pointing out the fact that this is an experience that Tia and I both have in common. We both spent a few years building our businesses before we were able to embrace our queerness as part of our brand. Hiding or toning down one's queerness, which is also known as code switching, can be a make or break decision for LGBTQ plus people when starting a business. On one hand, staying in the closet may help someone avoid harassment or discrimination. But on the other hand, it can also make it difficult to build trust with customers and negatively impact entrepreneurial intuition. Speaking from personal experience, whilst code switching did increase my anxiety and internalized homophobia, I know and appreciate that I needed to do it in order to protect myself from external discrimination at a time when I was really vulnerable. Tia has a similar perspective too. The first couple of years, I really tried to give myself grace because I was like doing what I needed to to survive and to leave a, like a pretty toxic job. And so like it wasn't the most genuine version of myself, but it was the version of myself that I, I don't know if I needed to be, but I certainly felt like I needed to be in order to like keep making money and like not ruffle too many feathers. Then once I was established, I was like, you know what? Just do do whatever. <laughs> be me. <laughs> if I could sum up what queer pride is, it would be those words that Tia just used. Just be me. One day, I hope to live in a world where everyone, queer or otherwise, is given permission to just be themselves without the pressure to conform or code switch. However, we're still a long way off. Right now, even in 2022, LGBTQ plus people experience greater amounts of discrimination than their non-queer counterparts. Discrimination is still really rife in the wedding industry. You've met Tara, the editor of Dancing With Her. With a community of 250,000 Instagram followers, they're able to conduct frequent surveys to get a sense of how queer people feel about planning their weddings. Uh, I think it was something like 75% of people who 
have already been married experienced discrimination on some level when planning their wedding and 90% of people expected that they would have discrimination as part of their wedding planning process and so you know that's a global snapshot but that's a lot of people that's nine in ten people that feel like going into wedding planning that discrimination is going to be a part of that and that's not okay you know we can't skip past that statistic 90 percent of queer people expect discrimination while planning a wedding 90 percent well, my name is Rick Simmons, and I am the uh, founder and president of the National Gay Wedding Association. Someone who did experience discrimination as they planned their wedding was Rick Simmons. Rick had just gotten engaged and was feeling pretty excited to start planning the wedding. It was wonderful. So Saturday morning, I get up and I start, I open up, you know, here I go, and I'm going through the whole wedding vendors close to where I live and all that. I'm sending out emails. Rick also got on the phone and began to ring some vendors. The first person he rang made it pretty clear that they weren't willing to work with Rick and his fiance. And I start calling people. The first phone call that I made contact with, it was a click. And I'm like, did they just hang up on me? <laughs> you know, did they just hang up on me? Um, I think they hung up on me. Okay, so I went to um, a couple emails. I saw an email return. And one email was back to me saying, we do not do gay weddings. I shut my laptop and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I've heard of these stories. Here I, here I am in the middle of it. You know, they're not going to bake my cake. I can't find a place to get married. And so it was just a real downer. It was a real, real downer. After fighting for the right to be legally married, the wedding planning process can trigger a whole set of emotions for queer people. Here's Jove Meyer again. There's still that, you know, six, seven, 10, 20 seconds where someone can bring you back to the most painful part of your life by rejecting you and rejecting your love and rejecting your journey. They're rejecting way more than just your desire to work with them. And I don't think they intend that, but that's the, that's the reality, you know? And if that has to happen 10, 15, 20 times per couple, per wedding, the joy of your wedding is diminished. As more and more LGBTQ plus couples are getting married, experiences of discrimination in the wedding industry are being spotlighted more. But discrimination isn't only experienced by the couples getting married. On the other side of the fence, minority wedding vendors have also experienced increased discrimination. I asked Minister Latoya about what challenges she's faced as a queer person in the wedding industry. Um... That, so that's a good question. Let's see. I was going to say, I don't know if I've had any challenges because I'm queer, but I know that I've had challenges because I'm black. And, and so I can share both because that's not necessarily true either because I have had um, hurdles because I'm queer and I didn't even know I was having them. I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> a wedding planner referred me to a couple and I was just like, oh, you know, I thought they were great. I thought they thought I was great. I was just checking in about, because the planner and I work together a lot. And I thought I was just checking in. Any feedback, what they say, you know, whatever. And she said, Latoya, actually, they said that you were great, but they couldn't book with you because you marry same-sex couples. That felt like the most ridiculous thing to me. I was like, what? People are doing that? And she said, yeah, I've had people not book you because you are with a woman. 
And I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I did assume that people just never reached out to me because of their own personal choices, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not blind or oblivious, but it was different to have someone tell me that people have looked at me and looked at, you know, my services and looked at who I am and looked at how I work. And they said, oh, she's great. <gasps> she married a woman. <laughs> Wait a minute. What, what does that, what does that have to do with what I have to offer you. That seems like th that's so foolish to me, you know? But Latoya does not let it get to her. At first I was kind of annoyed. It was hurtful and I was annoyed, but I'm a pretty tough cookie. It takes a whole lot to offend me. I don't, I don't let other people's views frazzle me. I actually would prefer that you are vocal about your views because if, if I'm not safe and my couples aren't safe, I'd rather know that up front, you know? Um, so... I think I was just kind of taken aback. And then I was like, their issue, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like I I have always been one of those people and it, it's a taboo thought and I completely understand it, but I am never begging someone to let me into their room. I would much rather just go build my own, right? So if there are couples that don't want to work with me because I'm, I'm with a woman, their choice. God gave us all choice. Make your choice as you will. What you don't get to do is, you know, you're not oppressing me because I'm going to go build my elsewhere, right? I'm going to go have my couples elsewhere. I'll go serve elsewhere. It's important to remember that the fight for equality is far from over. If we want to achieve true acceptance for all, we need allies to stand with and advocate for all marginalized communities. Allyship doesn't begin and end with LGBTQ plus rights. True allyship calls us to speak out against all forms of discrimination. Racism, ableism, fatphobia, and classism. Jason Ree, who is Asian American, uses his platform as a prolific wedding planner to advocate for equality across the spectrum. I think conversations of diversity, equity, inclusion has really been prominent in the wedding industry. I definitely think after everything that happened in 2020 with George Floyd, conversations of noticing how white focused the wedding industry was and still kind of struggling with the fact that it wasn't inclusive to other sexual identities or genders. And so I think that's kind of been a really interesting thing to pay attention to. But again, I'm still a a victim of of that era of problematic behavior. And so I still often see that kind of in my community and also I think that's why we are just so focused on on making change. Also in 2020 I happened to call out a wedding association in in southern it's kind of one of the biggest wedding associations here in the United States and um, I sat on the board and volunteered and was was on the board for two years and was a member for a you know a few years and um, at the time I was kind of speaking out about what was going on with Black Lives Matter and with the conversation of uh, black wedding pros and how we had not even acknowledged black wedding pros for so long where we were like, what, there's a black wedding industry? None of us even knew. And so at that time, I started to kind of get really frustrated and tried to find different ways to, to healing some of those things that I felt were problematic. And then I realized that I too was a victim of that experience because I, I kind of didn't realize I wasn't white until 2020. And then in 2020, I started to have the revelations of, oh, I am a minority. I am somebody who has my own experiences. And so what I took from it now after two years of settling into everything and kind of losing the anger and going through therapy and all the different things, I think representation is so vital because 
again, we're in the business of people and humans and everyone matters in this industry because we are literally marketing and servicing to those very people. When you're working in the space of love, and I think that that is why it's been so important for me and for my community now to advocate for that. And the funny thing is, you know, in company cultures now all over the world, you're talking about DEI, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And now they're adding more letters to it. Simple, it's kind of similar to the LGBTQIA plus um, plus conversation. That there's evolution, so now it's J D E I B A, and so now we're adding justice to that word, not just diversity, equity, inclusion, but we're adding justice. We're adding belonging. We're adding accessibility, and so. Um, it's just so important because again, we're we're all evolving as human beings. And if you again, if you if you resist it or you choose to not pay attention to it, you are going to be left behind. There's no way you will continue your business in in a, in a business of people without evolving. And so I think representation just it all comes back to again. Let's make sure that we find ways to make people feel included. We'll be back right after this break. First Look is brought to you by Queer Wedding Ally Training. In 10 years' time, one out of five weddings will be queer. The queer wave is coming. And with that, the people who work in the wedding industry need to adapt. If you're not offering an inclusive experience for all couples, your business is going to get left behind. Queer Wedding Ally Training will give you the tools that you need to be a better ally in just seven days. You'll learn the fundamentals of queer inclusive language, how to create a welcoming environment without feeling awkward or tokenistic, and how to stay relevant in a fast-changing industry. For only $49, you'll gain access to four video modules, plus a bunch of bonuses, including the all-new bonus audio training, three proven strategies to book more queer weddings. For more information and how to sign up, head to www.queerweddingallies.com. That's queerweddingallies.com. Welcome back. Okay, let's have a quick look at the timeline. Obviously, it is dependent on which country we're talking about, but overall, marriage equality has had a lot of international momentum for about five to ten years. Despite this time, the heteronormative inertia behind the wedding industry means that change has been slow and hard to see. But when we do look for the changes... Wedding fairs and wedding conferences tend to be a good place to start. These events usually bring together hundreds of wedding professionals and are a useful way of checking the temperature of what is trending in the wedding world. Cool. So my name is Lexi Lenoir. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. And a bit about me is I've been working in the events industry for more than 15 years now and specifically in the wedding industry for 10 years. I set up my own company, Queer Weddings UK, because I completely saw the lack of representation in the wedding industry and I really wanted to challenge that. And I knew that I could challenge that and I knew that there was a demand for specifically LGBTQ plus weddings. As a wedding planner, Lexi has been to her fair share of industry events. She told me about how they have been a particular challenge when it comes to visibility for minority couples. I think the narrative in the UK is literally bride and groom, white people. Like I mentioned before, is 
not seeing myself represented anywhere in in like marketing and like wedding fairs oh my god wedding fairs have become an awful place for me because I just don't see it I just all I see is bride and groom that's all I see Sometimes the places where a problem is most apparent is also the place where a solution has the biggest opportunity. With so many wedding professionals gathering at wedding fairs and conferences, they've become excellent places to teach businesses about better inclusive practices. Let's go back to Rick Simmons, who you met a little earlier. He's the president of the National Gay Wedding Association, an organisation that's dedicated to the education and promotion of inclusive business practices. In 2019, shortly after launching NGWA, Rick was feeling tired of how discreet wedding vendors were being in order to serve queer couples. He figured he needed to sit down and chat with some business owners face-to-face to see what was going on and to maybe find a solution to this lack of visibility. So I went to... Um... I went to a wedding show in Vegas, the NBA, largest exhibition hall of all wedding vendors in the country. I figured if there's anybody that's going to have it, let me go here. So Rick went on a mission to Vegas to find some queer wedding allies. Surrounded by hundreds of wedding professionals, he set up a stall, wore his NGWA t-shirt, and for three days he showed up ready to chat to anyone who might want to talk about inclusion. And it was one of those... Again, backs were turned, a uh, lot of body language, you know, a lot of negativity. It wasn't really, it wasn't a very happy experience. In the expo where all of the vendors were, there was one company that had an imagery of a lesbian couple, which was a stock photography company. And I was really taken back by that. You know, I, I just, I couldn't believe that it was very bright, it was very white, it was very blonde, it was very everything you want to think of when you say bride. It was bride, 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 bride. While he was struggling to find people who were willing to have these conversations out in the open, there was one guest speaker at the conference who Rick was particularly interested in seeing. And he was the only one who was one of their speakers. They had, I believe, like 85 speakers and there was one speaker on inclusiveness. That guest? It was Jove Meyer, who we met at the start of the episode. So there are many wedding conferences in America, but very few of them prioritize inclusivity and diversity as a topic. When they reached out for me to speak there, I was very excited. And to be honest, they were like, we'll give you the main stage if you want to talk about design trends. And I was like, thank you. But No one else at your conference is speaking about inclusivity. So I think I'd love to speak about that. And they were like, okay, we'll give you like a breakout room then. And so I went to go see Jove and he was at the very end of the hallway. It was now these rooms in Vegas, they're large convention halls. There's three screens. There's a hundred people in these rooms and they're packed, right? Where Jove was... It was, they cut the room literally down to maybe, I think, one screen. And it was the smallest room they had. And so I walk in, and there's like 10 people in this room of maybe fitting 75 people, maybe. And I was embarrassed for him because it looked like nobody was going to show up. And so I sat there going, okay, this is really, this. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling because... I'm watching, I'm watching a train wreck going to happen here. I, here I am in this like dingy room in Las Vegas in a huge conference room. 
And I'm sort of like, oh, this is like a smaller room maybe than I thought or than maybe I was used to. And I just thought like, God, I, I hope people come. Like, I hope they show up. Honestly, like, I'll speak to anyone in the room, but it's odd as a speaker if there's three people in a room for 100. It's just, it's just an odd experience. I kind of got lost in my phone or what I was doing or whatever. And I hear the people, we're going to start in five minutes. We're going to do this or that. By the time they get ready to start, I, I look up and I'm looking around and I notice the room's packed. There's people sitting on the floor. There's people down the hallway. I still tear up when I tell the story. You know, it was very moving for me because for the first time, I think in years, in years, I saw people coming out of their shell wanting information. They were like hungry for it. I was shocked how many people actually showed up. There wasn't enough seats in the room. People had to stand. There were people outside. Um, and it really lit up my heart in a way that I didn't expect. So Joe starts his whole presentation about LGBT, does his whole thing. Well, throughout the process, he's taken that room to church. There's not a dry eye in the house, right? They're, they're sobbing and they're crying and they're all this stuff. And what hit me was, is this the first time they're hearing this? You know, because I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. This, this is 2019 when I, did the, when, I, when I went there, right? So from 2015, now this is 2019, I'm thinking, okay, why are they just now hearing this? I was captivated because I started watching who's crying, who's whispering, who's, big, who's taking notes. My eye was on everybody, looking down the hallway, looking down there, and people were just captivated by what he was doing. Yeah, it was not what I expected, and it ended up being a really good turnout and a really good, a really good talk. And afterwards, there was a line of people eager to speak with me, which was very exciting. I had a wedding photographer who um, is a mother, and she literally cried in my arms for a very long time. And she said, I'm, I'm pretty certain my son is gay, but I realize I haven't given him the space to be open and honest with me. And I've presumed a lot about what I want for him, but never thought about what he needs for him or who he really is. Afterwards, people got up, they rushed to him to talk to him. I couldn't get to him. By this time, the room is clearing. Well, I need to know who these people were. So I started following them. So I literally trailed them back to where they came from, right? The whole groups of them. So they're walking in, they go to the exhibition hall. And now I had been to the exhibition hall for like two days now. So I went back into these booths and I got, I got a different reception. They're like, oh, wow, wow. Oh, and then, then all of a sudden it was like, why are we whispering? We're whispering in the booth, you know? Because then it was, oh, go over and talk to Billy. Billy, go over there. Oh, we threw him. Go over there and talk to them. They, da, 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 da. So it's like, okay, is this a is this an underground railroad for gay weddings? What am I in, right? Because that's what it felt like, right? So I came back from that conference and I was like, okay, the the big disconnect is is education. Education, that's what was missing. And through some of the incredible work being done by people like Rick and Jove and so many others who featured on this podcast. We're starting to see the dial shift a little bit, and the evolution of the wedding industry is coming into focus. I think that one of the things that I've noticed changing in the wedding industry since the passage of marriage equality is the idea that 
inclusivity is not just a a feeling, but it's also an action. In each of the interviews that I conducted for this series, I asked the question, what has changed in the wedding industry since we've had marriage equality? I got a whole range of different answers. Here's what Kirsten Palladino from Equally Wed had to say. Wedding pros have to go uh, further than they may have ever thought that they needed to. It's not just enough to have a friendly face on your uh, avatar or on your website. You need to specifically say, both with words and photos, uh, again and again, you know, consistently, that you support the LGBTQ plus community in order to... Um, to have them trust you and to want to want to hire you for their business. And we have not always been a priority for most businesses. Jason Ree commented on some of the changes experienced by wedding vendors in a post-pandemic world. I think the biggest change in the, the wedding industry was really community. I think we began to see people begin to grow empathy for people that were working in the community. So we began to share more and be authentic and, and talk about you know, business flaws. And, you know, I talk about winning through the woes, but we talked more about kind of the the darker sides of working and, and building your business. And I think we began to see that more. So really, I would say community. I would say that people began to um, support each other in a different way than I think prior to 2015. And Maria Palladino has started noticing a change in the experiences that business owners are having when they choose to be more open about themselves. And so it's created a really kind of uh, just open space, I think, for pros to also get a little more vulnerable in their businesses. And I think that's an amazing thing for any minority. It allows you to kind of, you know, look at your business and say, am I serving everybody? Um, Am I doing it in the best way possible? And what can I do better for those that I am trying to attract to my business? So. It's been, it's been nice to see that, that people even come to us or whatever, whoever it may be and say, you know, they ask a question or they're like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure to ask this, but I don't know if it's okay to. And you're just like, oh, no, no, let's go. Let's have the conversation because we're all better for it. So we've seen that with, with Wedding Pro specifically. Mm-hmm. All these changes mean that life is getting a little bit easier for queer people, especially the next generation. One in five people in Gen Z are identifying as queer, which means in 10 years time, one in five weddings will be queer. It's more important than ever to create a world where we have achieved equality for all and where queer people can celebrate their queerness with pride. Lexi, what is one of your biggest achievements? My biggest achievement is being who I am and where I am today. I am in a completely happy place. I am at peace with myself. The things that I, that I used to struggle with, I, I don't struggle with any of that anymore. Uh, my place in the queer community as a black woman, who I am is very comfortable right now, and it's not always been comfortable. Um, I have my chosen family, people that really love who I am and celebrate who I am. Um, so yeah, this is why I'm, I'm really at peace with who I am and where I am. So that's my biggest achievement because we're always fighting demons inside of us. And it's not easy. There's a lot of mental health issues within the communities. We have siblings who don't have it that easy. Um, they're still struggling with different things, with their families, with their situation. And so I'm really grateful to be where I am.
Next week, in the final part of this series, we're looking at faith, hope, and love. What role do each of these play in the wedding industry? And yes, we're going to ask the big question, what does the future of weddings look like? I'll see you next week. She was really worried about what the future would look like for her daughter. God is an energy of non-binary, as in we have it within ourselves as well when both of our polarities come together. That's how we become Christ, you know? First Look is written, recorded, and produced by me, Hank Paul. A big shout-out to my brother Josh. He's been helping proofread and make some edits to all of these episodes. This is a much more interesting and coherent podcast because of him. So thank you so much. If you liked this podcast, you can support me by writing a review, subscribing, or simply screenshotting your podcast player right now and sharing on Instagram. You can tag me at hankpaul.co. I would love to connect. And if you want more content or you just want to support the show, you can head over to www.firstlookpodcast.com and sign up for VIP access, where you can pay what you want and listen to all of the interviews I conducted for the series completely unedited. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. First Look is brought to you by Queer Wedding Ally Training. In 10 years' time, one out of five weddings will be queer. The queer wave is coming. And with that, the people who work in the wedding industry need to adapt. If you're not offering an inclusive experience for all couples, your business is going to get left behind. Queer Wedding Ally Training will give you the tools that you need to be a better ally in just seven days. You'll learn the fundamentals of queer inclusive language, how to create a welcoming environment without feeling awkward or tokenistic, and how to stay relevant in a fast-changing industry. You'll gain access to four video modules, plus a bunch of bonuses, including the all-new bonus audio training, three proven strategies to book more queer weddings. For more information and how to sign up, head to www.queerweddingallies.com. That's queerweddingallies.com.